Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and this is a lecture I was asked to give about some of the non-coronary uses of cardiac CT in the sense that I'm not going to be looking at coronary artery disease as a primary disease process, looking for stenosis or grading that, but look at some of the um, other issues we see in CT. And so the title of the talk was The Evaluation of the Coronary Arteries in Heart Following Surgical Intervention, and that sounds like a pretty cool title. So let's look at several topics. So what I'll do in this lecture is basically uh, break things up into specific topics, look at specific questions and specific answers. So question one, can you use CTA to evaluate the coronary artery stents or looking at stent or graft patency? Good question. Well, one of the things, of course, if you're looking at a stent is that you need to really optimize technique. It's one of the most difficult challenges we have. Stents will vary in size. The uh, smallest stents, the three millimeter stents, which are typically the older stents, are really very difficult to evaluate. A lot of the newer stents are a whole lot easier. So let's look at some examples and some points. Well, the first point is that we need to be able to optimize the post-processing of data. We need to look at the kernel. Most of the computers have a different type of kernel that we can use. And typically for cardiac, we use what's called a soft kernel. But if you want to look at the stents, you need a sharp kernel because you really want to make the stents stand out. Also, in terms of uh, looking at the stents, contrast in the stent is typically higher than contrast in the coronary artery due to beam hardening artifact. And that's just one of the things you need to be aware of and one of the things you need to look out for. Now, just looking at some of the facts related to coronary artery stents, restenosis occurs in about 10% of the population with restenosis being defined as a vessel luminal narrowing of more than 50%. Um, metal struts, as we mentioned, can cause a severe CT artifact, which is typically a blooming artifact, so it can be problematic. We use a range of rendering tools for evaluating stents. The easiest thing to do, of course, is volume rendering. What that does a very good job of, as you can see in this case, is really isolate and localize the stent, in this case, to the patient's LAD. But when you start looking at this through a range of perspectives, you recognize that whether you use volume rendering or MIP, you're just not going to be able to look inside the stent if you do a 3D reconstruction. What you really need to do, of course, is in this example, do a curved planar reconstruction. So we need to get inside the stent. Another example, you can see nicely the stent there, which is patent. Distal to the stent, there is some narrowing in the range of 50% in the vessel. But again, you can see how this curved planar reconstruction really opens up the stent nicely. So this is a very, very good example of using curved planar reconstruction for an application. What about this patient? Has a stent in the right coronary artery? Again, axial images, you can study the stent, but I think really when you want to look at it in detail, here's nicely the curved planar reconstruction. You can see that proximal to the stent, there is a greater than 50% narrowing in the patient's right coronary artery. You can see that also with the volume rendered views. And you can then see that once you get to the stent, the stent is patent. Now, in this case, I'll show you a series of images where I'm going through the paces, doing some color-coded reconstructions, very pretty pictures. It, they do really show nicely the stenosis proximal to the stent, but you can't show a whole lot or say a whole lot about the stent. But once I go inside with curved planar reconstruction, we're tracking along the center line, you see the good news and the bad news. The stent is patent, but there is a pretty tight stenosis proximal to the stent. And here it is on another perspective. 
and here it is in another perspective. So again, you can see that we have terrific capabilities in looking at stents. Again, limitations, of course, will relate to the type of stent and size of stent that is present. But in general, the literature shows a 95% plus accuracy. So very impressive. What about bypass grafts? And bypass grafts are common. There's lima grafts and there's saphenous grafts. The question is, how well can we do? Now, the literature here also is very, very uh, promising. Here it is that uh, even at 16 slice, uh, it was a promising technique. They had uh, success well in the 90s. And let's look at some examples. Axials are difficult to look at. Remember, the uh, bypass is cutting through different sections time after time. But here it is when we go to a 3D map. You see both a saphenous to the left as well as a lima. And then we'll go again and interrogate the data set further. Another patient. Two venous grafts off the ascending aorta and a lima graft. Now you can see the clips off the lima. In terms of looking at lima grafts, the hardest thing probably is to evaluate the distal anastomosis. Approximately it's easy and through most of the course of the vessel is easy. Remember most of the time if the lima has a significant stenosis it closes down so it's not an issue. And that's true with most of the stents or most of the grafts that we'll be looking at. Now again color coding works very well on this but I'll use a number of different renderings. And you need to really get facile to get into the data set. You need to track the proximal and distal aspects of the stent or graft. And again, here it is, some other views. You can see the anastomosis down to the uh, left anterior as well as circumflex circulation. So you need to look very carefully at all of the different renderings. And that indeed works very nicely. And again, here's one, one more set of images. In this case, I've edited things down so I can use the MIP images, and that works pretty well. In terms of color mapping, nice example here showing you two saphenous graphs. One to the base of the heart, to the right, uh, coronary circulation, and one to the left side of the heart, to the region of the circumflex. But again, we can look very carefully at these. You can see the uh, anastomosis, the kind of button on the aorta. Very nice visualization. And in this case, what we're going to do is we're going to rotate the data sets, look at the distal anastomosis and proximal anastomosis, all which appear patent, and then we'll use the curved planar reconstruction. And you can see very nicely here, just like doing a native coronary artery, the same principles hold true. Get that center line, lay the vessel out, rotate the vessel around, and look very carefully at it. Now, in terms of looking at bypass grafts, we typically think, at least in our minds, of stenosis as an issue. But you can see at times the grafts will simply fail and you won't visualize them. This patient had a remograft, right internal mammary graft, because the patient has an aberrant right coronary artery. Unfortunately, because the circulation was still good to that right coronary, the rema collapsed because of low pressure. You see the surgical clips, but you don't see the vessel. The vessel is basically gone. That's a classic appearance for a failed uh, internal mammary artery graft. So again, the clips are there, but there's little else to tell the tale. So unfortunately, this patient's graft did not work. You can see on this 3D view very nicely the right coronary artery arising off the left cusp. And just a very good visualization of the left coronary as well. 
Now, what about this example? Well, this patient axial imaging, you can see up front a uh, saphenous graft. You see the patient has aortic valvular calcification. And let's look at the 3D. You see on the 3D, you can see that one venous graft going to the left circulation to the region of the uh, circumflex. But look at that little dot, that little nubbin coming off the ascending aorta just beneath it. And if you look at that, you can see it's at the arrow. What exactly is that? Well, what that is, is that was another venous graft which had become occluded. So you can see if it's occluded, you may not see it at all. You may just see just the sequela or just the uh, scar, as you might have it, at its original position. Another example here is a lima graft as well as a venous graft, which is not uncommon configuration to see. Again, going through the motions, looking at the vessel, every plane, every perspective. One of the nice things, again, about uh, CT in this application. So we've seen everything pretty well. We now do the curved planar reconstructions, and you can see very nicely that Lima graft. One word of comment is sometimes the anastomoses proximally are very high. So you really want to err when you're scanning patients. It's very easy to be scanning for bypass grafts and not scan high enough and mix the proximal origin of the vessel. Now, proximally typically is no issue in terms of stenosis of any significance because if it was, you would have issues downstream. But you really do need to visualize it. And again, you can see it very nicely in uh, this visualization here as well as this visualization here. You do see in this example some minimal soft plaque within the Lima graft. Now, there are other complications from grafts that are very unusual. Here's an example of a patient who had a graft placed a dozen years ago. You can see the graft coming off the ascending aorta at about 11 o'clock, and then you see what looked like a mass in the left hilum. But if you look at all of the images, and I'll take you through a sequence, that's the bypass graft. Look how dilated it is. It's 10 times the size it should be, and you follow it down and around, and you can see that big bump on the heart. This is the patient's bypass graft. That's that aneurysm dilatation I showed you before a moment ago on the axial images. Now look at that visualization. So this patient has aneurysmal dilatation of the patient's bypass graft. Uh, this is just a very difficult scenario. What do you do? Do you put a new bypass in? What exactly can you do? And uh, this patient, at least at the time of this dictation or this report, chose not to have anything done. But very, very uh, impressive example. So let's look at another application, uh, cardiac redo procedures. Now, in this situation, what the surgeon is sending us the patient for is they need to know anatomy. The patient already has had a bypass surgery, so it's had medial stenotomy. Often the aorta or pulmonary artery adhere to the posterior part of the sternum. The surgeon wants to know, is it safe to do a medial stenotomy? Well, you can see in this case the patient has a type A dissection. And we'll look at this in different planes. And you can see very nicely there's good space to the sternum. And you can see in this example in the type A dissection, we'll go from sternum down to the aorta and show very nicely the location of the uh, bypass grafts. You can see that the section tracks down to the origin of the left bypass graft. Very nice visualization through a range of planes and perspectives. Now, you could say at first that the thing that matters is that the section goes next to that uh, first graft, but really the issue is 
that the other graft, the lower graft, look where that bypass goes. It goes directly behind the sternum. And you can see as I fill in the images that what would happen is if you would have scanned this patient and not noted that and they operated, it would have been a disaster because what you're seeing is the uh, site of medial stenotomy and that is directly within uh, the field of view. So it would be really problematic. So the surgeon here did a non-classic sternotomy and didn't do a midline approach. In terms of other applications, I've commented before about aortic valve applications uh, and aortic valve evaluation. Again, we've written articles about this, and I'll just briefly comment on the aortic valve. We can see it very nicely, in this case closed, and in this open. We can reverse the ramp on the volume rendering to show the, uh, again, the lumen of the aorta as well as the valve closed and open. And of course, we can look at things moving. And within motion, you really get the feel of the, uh, the aortic valve opening and closing. And then here's just one more other example. So very nice, uh, normal in this case. In terms of disease vessels, here's a very nice example. Markedly thickened aortic valve. It's partly calcified. It's thickened, but as I run through the images, you can see how nicely you can see the thickening of the valve. Remember, the valves are typically very thin leaflets. Now look how thick the valves are. We can see that example. We can see this case in a patient with a bicuspid valve. We can see this another example, another patient, extensive aortic valve calcifications with a bicuspid valve present. So again, whether you look at it in 2D or you look at it in 3D, very nice visualizations. Now, there have been several articles written. Here was one article talking about measurements with a 16-slice CT allow us to classify aortic stenosis similar to echocardiographic measures. So again, there's just tremendous interest, and you can see this article, just the comments that uh, CT may be a critical study in aortic valve disease. And here's an example, a nice example of a patient post-surgery with aortic valve replacement. And you can see, when you look at the images, look how nicely we can pull that valve out of the patient. We can look at the valve when it's closed. We can look at the valve when it's open. And of course, we could do four-dimensional imaging, look at motion. We can look at it from a range of visualizations, a range of perspectives. You can see in this example, there's a large left ventricle, there's poor cardiac function. And again, just a beautiful example. We can see this case of an IV drug abuser who has vegetations on the aortic valve, which you can see nicely there. And this patient was super lucky because it also had a tumor a fibroma in the left ventricle, and what's interesting, these were both incidental findings. I'll comment also about other things beyond the coronaries. I'll talk about anomalies of the aorta. Beautiful example in this case of coarctation of the aorta. This is a 41-year-old adult, and what you really can see very nicely in this case is the coarctation. You also can see very nicely the fact, and interestingly, the patient does not have the significant collaterals, but a beautiful coarct and I'll show it to you in a range of different perspectives, just rotating around and cutting through, looking at it in grayscale as well as color. So very nice visualizations of that patient's coarctation of the aorta. Now, you also remember patients with coarctation of the aorta commonly get aortic valvular anomalies, and they commonly get bicuspid valves. So guess what? 
here's a beautiful bicuspid valve. So a wonderful case of bicuspid valves as well as uh, coarctation of the aorta. Now there are many other areas I can look at, but I think for one lecture that's probably enough. So I think a good conclusion, cardiac CTA goes far beyond the evaluation of native coronary arteries. We can look at stents, we can look at bypasses, we can look at the aortic valve, we can look at function, and CT is becoming a critical pathway for a range of preoperative evaluations and preoperative problems, whether it's looking at a patient who's had prior coronary bypass surgery, we want to look at the sternum or retrosternal space. This is all indeed becoming very critical. And with that, I'll stop and wish you a good day.